0: And we'll find somewhere close Hello and welcome to The Cool Room. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, David Griffiths, and it's my pleasure to be welcoming you tonight to one of our online Meet the Brewer sessions with Burnley Brewing, who I will introduce properly in a moment. Uh, those of you who are familiar with our online Meet the Brewers know that our nights start with a little spiel from me about how things are going to work. So let's do the housekeeping and set the tables. Uh, Tonight's podcast is designed to be enjoyed both in the Zoom room live and as a recorded podcast with four specific beers from Burnley in your hands. Uh, So tonight you're going to need the Blackcurrant Gosa, the Vienna Lager, the Grapefruit IPA and the Reloaded Nepa. You can certainly enjoy it without those beers, but to maximise your experience, those are the four that you're going to need to have in your hands as we go along. And um, for people who are joining us in the Zoom room, we're going to be rattling along to get through all of these beers. So we don't expect you to uh, drink them all in the time that we have uh, available to us. So feel free to make yourselves a little tasting paddle and drink responsibly. And similarly, if you're listening in the podcast, uh, feel free to pause after each of the beers that we enjoy. We'll make it pretty clear when we're about to move from one beer to another so that you um, you can savour the beers and not feel like you need to rush. Um, A big thank you as ever to everyone who's joining us live and to new people, welcome. Hopefully you have a great night with us and thank you to everyone who's downloading us for the first time. Uh, Numbers are really growing at the moment, so uh, thank you to everyone who's enjoying the podcast and sharing it with their friends and rating and reviewing it uh, on whatever podcast platform they're finding it on. Um, We've got some great back episodes uh, with... Sierra Nevada with uh, Deep Creek and Kaiju and Golden Hills recently. We really encourage you to enjoy those and to, um, to make sure you have the beers that go along with them. And if you're following us on social media, on uh, Instagram and Facebook, then you get to have a bit of a heads up about fu- future events. Uh, next week is Watts River. The week after that is Urbanaut from uh, New Zealand. And then a couple of weeks after that, we have another uh, international guest, a non-Australasian guest is perhaps the the only hint that I'll throw out at the moment, but um, there's some really exciting ones coming up. And we're also going to have just a bit of a catch up on Saturday night to celebrate some of the new beers that are in our online store, uh, the Cool Room podcast at Shopify, Uh, because we've got five new beers from Batch in stock. We've got some new uh, La Sirene. We've got the, uh, the big uh, Saison de Fleur, which is a honey Saison uh, that they've made and some other really exciting beers from Moondog and Bonehead. So if you're just looking for a place to hang out on Saturday night, check out our Facebook page and come and just sit around with us. It's not being recorded or anything, just an opportunity to have a few beers. Um, I think that's pretty much touched on everything we need to touch on. Our good friend Warren Wu is yet to join the room, but I have no doubt, even though I can't see him as I flip through the pages of people who are online uh, in the Zoom room, I'm sure Travis Bristow is out there somewhere. Hello, Travis. Do you feel like introducing our friends from Burnley and kicking us off for the night? Uh,
1: hello, David. What's up? Hello. Yeah. Um, just as you said that, David, we were um, interrupted with a little bit of a hum that came from Warren Wu's microphone as he logged in. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Hello, Warren Wu. For those that uh, had uh, this time? 6.42, well, um, 642?
0: I believe, for those playing at home on what time Warren enters the room. <laughs> <laughs> who, who was on 6.42? Did anyone... All right, well, we'll work that out later on, and we'll
1: uh, we'll get back to everyone. Um, we've still got a couple of people joining the room at the moment, so let's kick things off. Michael, Chloe from Burnley, welcome Buongiorno. to the call. <laughs> to to get us sort of started on this before we sort of start talking about the beer, can you give us a um, just give us an idea on how how Burnley started and and where you guys are situated?
2: Oh, well, um, Burnley started by um, the two owners, Neil and Phil, um, who have started a couple of cafes in their time. They always wanted to do a craft brewery. Um, and then they heard of a place on Bridge Road, Road where we are now, um, that was going to be up for lease. So they went there, we're checking out the place. We, at the time, were running our own brewery in Germany. We were living there. We'd come back for a holiday and just happened to have met the boys at a wine bar. And the boys mentioned to Michael that they were interested in, in starting their own brewery. And, you know, it basically just got um, evolving and rolling to the fact where we kind of left Australia thinking that we might be moving back, but we had no solid plans because we were really happy with what our brewery was doing at the time. Got back to Germany, realised we effing hated it and wanted to come <laughs> back to Australia. <laughs> so we kind of um, were lucky enough that we'd kept contact with the boys where we said... We'll we'll definitely come back, help Burnley get onto its feet. And at that time, we thought we were going to be moving on to our own brewery. But then basically we fell in love with what um, the boys wanted to create, which was good food, good independent beer and a great hospo environment. And we kind of fell into that and um, haven't really left. Am I missing anything?
3: No, nah, it was meant to be like six months of having yeah. set up, and now it's three years later, and we're still there. So <laughs> amazing, yeah. And for uh, uh, yeah, good, good, good reason, though, because yeah, we definitely.
1: love it. That's the main thing. If, you, if the the love's there, you're always going to sort of continue on that path, aren't you? Yeah,
2: definitely.
1: We have a lot of sort of we have a lot of international listeners on this podcast. Can you explain to them where the brewery's situated? Paint us a picture on what it looks like, and You know, the location and that sort of thing.
2: So I'm super biased about that because if I was going to start a cult, that would be my cult headquarters. Six (laughs) Four Eight bridge road. Yeah, you haven't (laughs) done that already? I tried once and I got shut down and I blamed ScoMo. Um, (laughs) So it's beautiful floor to ceiling glass. You drive past. Originally, it was an Italian shop. When you're driving past, you see um, four beautiful stainless steel bright tanks that we serve beer from. There's a massive Burnley Brewing sticker across the front. In days gone by, before COVID, we'd have um, three tables at the front, umbrellas, um, fresh flowers, um, and hops, and hops. Um, and it was just basically designed to be a a local drinking spot originally. Before we before the. Um, wholesale side came onto it was meant to be your new local where in the same kind of neighborhood as the terminus no not the terminus the royston which is obviously seriously iconic um and a mountain goat and obviously some there's some incredible um pubs down there but bridge road itself is kind of dying when i was younger it was a a place to go shopping and it was a really cool place to go for outlet shops and now it's become a bit of a craft beer hub and we just kind of wanted to. personify that and add add to the positive nature of how that street is kind of evolving.
3: Well, Actually, what's pretty cool with the pub as well is that when you come inside, you've got those four bright tanks in the front windows, but then in the back of the uh, of the um, restaurant as well, there's a, a small 500 litre brew house with uh, some more fermenters of bright tanks there. So you kind of like sit or stand, depends on what you're doing, uh, in the middle of of Tanks, pretty much yeah so. the, the
2: whole idea was to take the, the mystery away from what is beer how does it how does it go from a grain to a beer we wanted people to be able to see it being brewed and to see the pipes where it was coming from and we wanted that that silver screen of um, you know almost that really wonker vibe around beer to be gone and we wanted people to really engage and and experience what beer could be.
3: Oh. Yeah, so so the brewery in the back actually has a bar just around the brewery, so you can sit at the bar and literally just chat with me and whoever other brewers are working there. We at the
2: do moment. also encourage catcalling of Michael because feminism. <laughs> <laughs>
1: When we're back in a situation where we can actually go to the brewery and have a drink,
4: um, for the listeners
1: out there, that is your challenge to catcall Michael. (laughs) When we can go back to the brewery. I think
2: when you're looking at Melbourne hospo scene, one of the reasons we wanted to move back to Melbourne anyway was the hospo scene here. It's one of those things I definitely took for granted growing up. And when I came back and and you know walked to places in the city like the Boilermaker House, Loop Roof, just for example, you kind of really realise the difference between um, drinking somewhere and experiencing the hospo. And I think that's the great thing about Melbourne is that the the next step and the next effort that a lot of countries see as um, you know. Uh, something you have to tip for that's really standard in Melbourne. Melbourne has just this incredibly high standard of hospo, and the culture around it here is really, um, you know, something to be uh, envied. I think.
1: I love that. That's, um, that's very well said. I think uh, for the most of part, everyone in the room, apart from a few, are from Melbourne. So, it, yeah, it, well, very well said. Um, we are going to eventually move on to the beer. We've talked about the brewery, um, and we're going to move on to the the blackcurrant goes. Are we saying goes? Are we going to go have? This do you? Discussion you do. Twenty
2: twenty right. has been such a shit show. If you're worrying about how you're saying beer. You're not worrying about the right things.
1: And Chloe, you said this before we started recording that twenty twenty has been that shit show. And, and you know, before maybe before we get on to the beer, how's it? How have you guys found the whole? transition to what you were used to, to transi- transitioning into the norm now. And for the, the listeners that are sort of overseas and interstate, you know, Melbourne's still in this lockdown phase that we're in where breweries and bars aren't open. You can't go to a brewery and a bar and a, and actually have a drink at the moment.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: g- give us a sort of a quick rundown before we get onto the beer on, on how you guys have found that.
2: Well, it's kind of... It was um like i'll easily say i've had a very easy life so the worst day of my life so far was the day after Scomo said shut everything down because i called every person we've sold beer to and some of them have been people who have been with us since the start or we've been with them since the start so this was obviously before job keeper and job seeker and the lack of the inability to predict what was going to happen was really scary and that was and that still to this day is one of the most vivid days. I think I'll remember that for the rest of my life, just talking to these people who had taken that leap to open their own thing. And then for this unpredictable, invisible enemy to potentially take that away overnight was was just very hard to un- understand. I think for us as well, like the one thing that I take great pride in is our extremely low... Turnover rate at Burnley. We hold on to staff in the hospital world. That's kind of, you know, a a mark of a good place. And we hold on to staff for extremely long time. So letting go of those people was just horrible. And Mm -hmm. I think the benefit of being a small brewery that has no money is we could be really flexible. (laughs) We can kind of say, all right, we've got this beer in tank. Let's put it into a can and see what happens. So. As we were kind of almost packing up the tap room with the idea that we might never come back there, I think we both, we all had this idea that it's a shame that we're going down on a ship that has had so many good ideas for beers that we never actually did. So I think that's kind of shifted something in our brain where it's like if we're going to go down, we're going to go down swinging and that's why we're doing some banger beers. Right. <laughs>
4: so
3: saying we had all these beers in tank that were just potentially we're not going to see the light of day. So we just quickly got them into Cairns and then uh we were getting a good response and then obviously then job keeper and job seeker came job keeper and job seeker came into effect and then you know the the future didn't look so bleak. So then uh then we're like, oh actually well now we have the time and we've found that doing our special releases in Cairns has proven, you know, good. So we just continue doing it. Mm. Hence uh the lineup that we have tonight.
1: Mm. Yeah amazing. Mate. Uh, we are we're gonna sort of get onto a more happier note now it is the third day of spring here in melbourne and we're gonna talk about the goes where do you guys sort of sit on styles of beer do you find that there are certain styles of beer that are for a particular season
3: yeah i definitely think so um having said that there's beers also for mood as well That that might sound weird but um I think there's beers for styles, but also for mood as well. So just say like stouts are generally, you know, for winter and stuff like that. They're a bit more hearty and full bodied and stuff like that. However, a dry stout that we recently um, released is actually a beer that I would love to have in the summer as opposed to winter because it's a dry, easy drinking, low ABV stout. So, yeah, I think there are styles for different Seasons. So for example, our, our black car goza, which I think we're starting with is, was actually a sour that was designed for winter. Um, we'll get onto that in a little bit, but I, I, am a stronger believer in the uh, different seasonal beers. Um, do you have any beers that you so I go, to? I
2: go more for mood. Like I can smash a stout at any point in, of the year. And, but if I'm not feeling it, I'm not feeling it. I always just go off the mood. I think, um, if I'm just looking normally where I drink is on our balcony here and if it's windy weather I want to feel like I'm in Ireland waiting for my husband to come home from World War II so I like to have (laughs) a really deep stout or something that's like a little bit heavier and chunkier and if it's nice spring weather obviously I like to have something that's a little bit more fruity and light so I'm more um, feeling but I think you're more seasoned. Do you
4: wish I was older? No. Let Coming to
0: light here. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's a question for another time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk about the Black Currant goes. Um, this beer is. It. I mean, I poured it out of the can, and it is bright red. I mean, the it's probably the same colour as my jumper, actually. Um. What made you choose blackcurrant for it?
3: Um, as I was saying, so like this, we always want to have like a couple of sours on tap at our um, tap room, um, and as soon as the obviously tap room couldn't have uh, couldn't have customers and anything like that, we wanted to get a sour into cans. But then we'll, you know, throwing around a few ideas and stuff like that, and this was coming off the back of our Mandarin Goza, which has real you know summer vibes and stuff like that. Um, so we wanted to have a, a more darker, richer, sour that would be perfect for the winter. And that's where blackcurrant just kind of like jumped into our mind. And it's a beer that we had already brewed at the brew pub. So it was already a proven recipe. It's just we now need to do a larger batch for it and put it into can and stuff like that. Yeah. So the blackcurrant, in my mind, it really um, emphasizes the, the sourness of the beer itself because blackcurrant's been quite you know, acidic for themselves as well um It really just like this is a tart beer. Mm. Like when mm-hmm. you guys try it, it is sour, and that's exactly what we wanted. We didn't want to be like, oh yeah, it's semi sour. I kind of get what it is. I wanted you guys to go, oh yeah, that that's sour. jane
2: Toss. wants to know what
0: gives it the earthy flavour. It's, it's excellent when you read the questions yourselves, and we just get to sit back and let the room run <laughs> <No, same>. itself. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. That's yeah. great. <laughs> Um
2: I self-direct as well.
3: <laughs> earthy notes could come from uh the hops themselves. I what did I use in that? That's a good question. I actually just used it was an English hop, so earthy notes could definitely come from that. But then also uh yeah, I guess the fruit themselves as well. Mm. The base of the beer doesn't have any earthy notes. It's just a wheat and pilsner malts, uh, as well as some um, well salt for a goza style. Um, but it would be definitely coming from from the, the fruit itself. Citra, I think James just said probably. I was just about to say that. Citra salt on the
1: cans can. in the room. It, just it on the can. Okay,
0: so, this is yeah. uh, <laughs> I, so, sometimes we get accused of sort of pumping up the beers of the people who are in the who are our guests, and I guess you know just on that note, you know uh, Emery who or Emery who's joining us in the room has just said it's nice to see that it doesn't taste like compost like some sours do. So um, the compliments are already <laughs> yeah. rolling in, and it's very early in the night. So. There you go. <laughs> i'm glad it Doesn't taste oh, like- i would agree it doesn't taste like compost at all it tastes delicious <laughs> on that
5: earthy on that earthy comment it's it's really good because you get the you get like a ribena character at the start yeah. but then it, it kind of it reminds you it's a beer and that earthiness comes through i think it's really uh, yeah i think it it kind of ground oh the earthiness grounds it
4: definitely yeah. last time
2: we did this before we were a little bit more reserved with the blackcurrant flavour, It was a little bit more softer and a little bit more palatable, um, which is what we tend to do for the beers in Richmond because it's just designed to be a tap room for everyone rather than like a really, um, you know, intense microbrew. It's meant to be a tap room for everyone to be fresh to come. So we kind of amplified it for the can to give it more ribinary taste. And I feel like it almost has that really nice, like cooked beetroot, um, you know, element to it as well.
1: I was about
3: to say the same thing. It's got that, yeah. that beetroot sort of sense to it. Yeah. Yeah. Something that I also did with this one as well. I, I changed the um, the uh, the lactobacillus strain. Um, so it's a a strain that can really drop the pH quite quickly. And so the pH on this dropped down to 3.1 um, in, in the kettle, which, which for any home brewers or brewers listening right now knows it's, it's pretty fucking sour. Then after the fermentation, I dropped even more. So it's, uh, it's a sour boy and that's uh, how we wanted it to be. Mm. So we really wanted that Ribena Sour uh, to be to be quite powerful, I guess you could mm. say, or dominant, mm. yeah. So,
1: so, one of the other people in our Zoom room tonight said, on the on the back of the earthy comment, uh, what's the salt content of this beer like? Like, in your opinion, what makes
3: this beer a goes? So, so Goza is a beer style that comes out of out of northern Germany. Um, so, Goza was traditionally like fifty percent wheat, fifty percent of a barley grain. Um, and it is also in its four to four point five percent ABV, as opposed to the Berliner Weiser being in the three three and a halfs. You know, we more your mid-strength range. Um, and the Gozers now have uh, have always had a salt component to them, also some coriander as well. But that's something that we leave out just because I feel like that.
2: It doesn't add to the beer. It's, it doesn't
3: add, add to it. It's, it's
2: no, necess- no reason to have it.
3: Yeah, exactly. Especially if you're doing a blackcurrant or a mandarin or a five-fruit sour or something like that. It just, it actually just...
2: It's confusing.
3: It, yeah, confusing. And actually normally gets just completely dominated by any other flavour. Um, sole component for me actually makes you kind of feel like after taking a sip of that beer that you're still thirsty, mm. if you know what I mean. <laughs> so you take a couple of sips and you're like, damn, that's good, and I'm still thirsty, yeah. so I'm going to smash this can real quick.
2: I feel like that, is, <laughs> that to me, there's two really distinct factors between a Goza and a Berliner. A Berliner feels really refreshing and it's lower ABV and it's balanced, while a Goza is like, why the fuck am I still thirsty? And it's the balance is slightly more acidic and sour, um, and at least that's how – when we're teaching the kids of Burnley, that's what I teach them. Yep.
4: Uh,
2: I could nice be wrong,
1: food. but you <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you've, given I'm almost finished this can, I think you've hit the nail on the, right on the head.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> think I as well, um, uh, there's very few people that we tell our ideas to. Obviously, there's a lot of people who want to tell you what you should be brewing or, or what they think you should be brewing. And especially... Um, as a female, it can get really sexist. The one person I will take um, really active feedback from is David from Beer Mash and he's had this beer before at Bar SK, and he's mentioned before, if we're going to do it again, we should do it more juicy. I'm sure he's brainwashing me. I'm not sure when he did, but I sure, I'm sure he is. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm glad that other people like it. Otherwise, I would have done a beer for David. <laughs> <laughs>
5: On on the point that um, the the beard for seasons uh, discussion from earlier, I, this it feel, this feels all year round. I don't know. I know I know where you're coming with that blackcurrant, and it kind of has a, a like a black forest kind of darker yeah. element to it. But I mean, that berry character is always has that hint of summer to it. It always kind of speaks of summer. So you could yeah. say I feel
2: like that's where sours kind of get away with a lot. Is they really mm. are into seasonal. But they, um, you know, you can have them any time of year. But they definitely have that fluidity to them.
5: The the other bit is the the that dense color that it has. It's it just jumps out. At it. It, it it the going back. It's kind of a wintry thing. But yeah, it, the the fact that it's completely, completely opaque and and just that hint of that that hint of red, that dark red around there and crimson around the corner. Yeah. It's just yeah.
2: The big Good thing, that the um thing I always think about with winter was when my stepdad would drink red wine at winter. He had this horrible habit of always having stains there, always, always, whenever he had red wine. And I've always wanted to reproduce that in the beer. And I feel like this is kind of my way of doing it was just, making it making it dark enough where it could potentially stain your skin. So
0: just point people as say, like, oh, that guy's yeah.
2: <laughs> <away.">
0: <laughs> Well, that's probably a good little point just to put a little button on that first bit and to let people know that they uh, should be preparing their glasses with the lager so that we can talk about and enjoy that one. So mm.
2: This has a completely different vibe, so I would encourage you to... Probably um, not
0: in the same glass.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd encourage you to have a big glass of water.
1: I'm
5: looking at my glass now
1: and this red tinge to the glass. <laughs> yeah.
5: It looks like a red wine, like from, it looks like yeah. it had a, like a, a cheeky Brosser or a yeah. <laughs> bowel number in it. And, I
2: yeah. think beer itself is such an exciting medium to present these yeah. ideas. And I think that's what mm. a sour does really well is that it is so bendable that you can really present something that, is slightly uncomfortable to a lot of people, like yeah. a glass of blood, and then people get excited <laughs> to try it. So I think that's one thing that I'm really proud about this beer is a lot of people have been really willing to try it, and I think it's because we've kind of wrapped it as a sour.
5: Yeah. Next in these dead times where everyone's catching up and kind of getting on to the next beer, I like to talk shit about stuff that I'm doing because- Or well,
0: we could know, just go not? on with the show. Yeah, yeah. We or could we could get, get on with the show. We, we could, could, but totally you know, let's, leave line pe- line let's line give line. people
5: time. I'm doing I'm doing a, a pet net, like a cloudy sparkling wine, uh, next year, I'm planning on hopping it. I think it's just gonna fuck with people's heads, like completely, and it's long, it's long those same lines, like a wine, a, a wine kind of as a drink and what is it as a drink and or beer? How does that challenge you? Yeah. And the, Yeah, that that real adventurous of the of, of the craft beer scene is, yeah. is remarkable
2: I like. think that's what I really like as well like Australia. We don't have those Restrictions like we like they do in Germany And I think that's kind of what's really exciting about the Australian scene is how kind of you can really mold it to be whatever you want it to be um, and yes for whoever said five dollar growlers, we are doing them at Richmond, six four eight Bridge Road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: you get the plug in. Five dollar bro- Gr- Get
3: plugs in. Yeah, five dollar growler. That's sick.
2: Yeah, I think there's um, <laughs> I think it's
3: a, um, I think it's a uh, is it it a, a, a Father's
2: Day special? Nah, it's a Yolo special. Oh,
3: that's cool. That's. That's
5: torture. Like it's it's way more than five k's away.
2: Yes, that's I'm thinking. <laughs> that,
5: that's the thing. It's more than five k's from where I am.
2: But I've got to tell you, there's a bottle shop that's opened up near us called the Burnley, which is Schmick. It's so beautiful. It's a drive-through, and I fucking love drive-through. Um, and they've been advertising free beer. So that's free beer from the Burnley, the bottle shop. We're not giving
0: free beer. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually a really interesting point that I've raised with a few of the reps, which is that, you know, for people who are actually trying to make money out of selling beer at the moment, it's a difficult market to work in because when you've got people and there are some other breweries giving free beer away, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're trying to sustain a business, you know, without that, it's um it's very tricky. So I guess on that note, a shout out to everyone who's supporting uh, local businesses by yes, paying for beer and not just grabbing the the, yeah. the freebies. Genuinely, I mean, that yeah. makes a big difference.
2: But is, if you are in the five kilometre, definitely go to the Burnley. That bottle shop is beautiful. Uh,
1: we'll be out of lockdown at the end of next weekend. It'll be yeah, fun. yeah.
0: That's yeah. yeah. The
2: food and protests this Sunday. That's going to mean something, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: well, oh, yeah, man. On that note, <laughs> let's,
1: let's move on to the next beer. So I yeah. in that little interim period, everyone's opened up their can of the lager. And Warren Wu is going to lead the reins to talk us through this one.
5: So we've we've, we've it's been a great run of uh, of lagered beers, like the the cold ferment beers that we've had recent we've had recently in, across the podcast, and this, I think this continues on. So we've got it a few styles. It's been mainly pilsners. We've kind of had a couple of new world pilsners where there's less a little bit more of a hop character on the nose. This one's the the. This one's a, um, the Vienna Lager is another beast altogether. you want to give us a rundown on the Vienna Lager and what we should be expecting if we were to order one?
3: Yeah, so on that note, so you've been saying that you've been having Pilsner's and stuff like that. So Pilsner, just a bit of history here. Hmm. Uh, Pilsner was uh, first brewed in 1842 by Josef Grohl, who was a Bavarian brewmaster. And everyone says that the Pilsner not everyone, but a lot of people claim that the Pilsner was the first ever pale lager brewed. Not true, because the Vienna lager that we, we drink, well, not, obviously not our one, but the Vienna lager style was actually brewed, first brewed in 1841. So it predates the Pilsner by one year. So if anyone tells you that Pilsner is the oldest pale lager, they're, they're wrong. So, Do We
0: offer them outside lager. and, you know, take them out and take them out to the car park and get a bit bullied. Rough. <laughs> Um,
3: so, the Vienna Lager is, was first brewed by Anton Trier in, in in Vienna. So, actually, pretty funny story about that. So, Anton Trier and Gabriel Siedermeyer, there were two uh, European brewers that, after finishing their brewer and molster apprenticeship, they used to have to do what's called a Wanderung, um, which is literally, I guess, translated as a wandering walking sort of thing mm-hmm. so what they have to do for i think it's 18 months they have to travel around europe tr- visit lots of different breweries work in those breweries for no pay but they get bored and food and you gain work experience for those 18 months
5: yeah that's um, the have- in in the i think the journeyman system is the journey being a journeyman i think is
3: yeah. I, I,
5: as far as I know, yeah. So if you're a carpenter, you do the same thing.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, back right. in the day, yeah.
5: Which is awesome. I think I, there's something really romantic about it. Yeah,
3: yeah I, I think so too. So this is what they were doing. And so they found themselves in um, in London during the Industrial Revolution. And during that time, um, the English were just uh, developing indirect kilning, which meant that they were able to dry malts without burning them. So they were able to get these nice, well-dried malts without getting too much color so they're getting these pale malts out so through a bit of business or corporate espionage they stole some wort samples and grain samples and brought them back to their respective countries and then developed their own grains as well so that they could create their own pale beers so Anton Dria going back to um, Austria uh, created the what is now the Vienna malt and Gabriel Siedemeyer making the Munich malt um, and they were then developing their own pale lagers. Um, Anton Zier creating the Vienna Lager, and Gabriel Siedemeyer, uh, Siedemeyer creating the um, uh, the Märzen. So the Vienna Lager differs from the Pilsner because it has a, a slightly uh, darker colour. It goes from like a, a light copper, a light copper to an amber uh, colour. Um, the Vienna malts bring through a bit of um, light caramel toastiness to it. Some people get bready notes as well. They're still using noble hops like the traditional Pilsner would as well. Um, however, those hops are a lot toned down. So the traditional Pilsner, um, which is uh, now well, the traditional Pilsner, um, would have had 40 IBUs. Nowadays, the, the Pilsners are in there, you're 25 to 26 IBUs, but the traditional one would have been 40. Um, and Vienna Lager was a bit lower as well, and you had 20 IBUs. Oh, sorry. Also, IBUs is international bitterness units for people that don't know what that means. It's how brewers um, measure bitterness in beer.
2: So the summary is they're different beers. <laughs> different beers. <laughs> <laughs> sorry.
4: I get on hands. Sorry.
5: I find the history fascinating, and that's kind of. One of the things which which Germany has in its in its beer making it, it shit tons of like history is is it's at the very heart of what they do. Is that kind of something that can be missed? Like you you've been there and you've you've worked within the system and you've grown an appreciation for that. Is that something that can be missed? Kind of on the flip side of our conversation regarding you know the experimentation you can do here, do you kind of do you, do you have a sense of that? that history, missing that history now that you're back?
3: Yeah, no, I, I definitely do, which, which you can actually see in our beer styles really. So our core range is the Vienna Lager, a, a Bavarian Helles, um, and then a Pale Ale. So of our three core range beers, um, two of them are traditional German or traditional European style beers. It is something that I do miss because it's, because it's what I was trained on, what I grew up loving. Um, and actually to be to the first ever top fermenting beer that I brewed commercially was, uh, apart from a wheat beer in Germany, was was actually our pale ale here in in, in Australia. So I, I, my entire professional brewing career was always lagers. So um, it's something that I do miss, but it's just because I, I just fucking love lagers. But there, I just it's like the simplicity of them, you know? I think they're great.
2: There's also the flip side of, because that is their tradition, It's Really, like beer is yeah. held in really really high regard. There's no room for not improvement, but experimentation. It's like beer with, um, for example, like peach in it is a beer-like drink. It's no longer a beer. So the the importance they place on tradition for this 2020 is a little bit hard to deal with if you are looking to make a make a change in the brew in the brewing world. Because their beer is so cheap, so good, so why would they go against something else and, tr- and maybe try a beer that they didn't like? Like it's there's no there's no reason to experiment with something if you're happy with how it is.
3: Well, I think I think you say it best is that craft beer was born out of like a revolution, pretty much because in America, obviously, there was just I think that shit beer before before the craft beer scene mm. um, uh, came about. Um, so that was the American people and brewers being like well we want to have good beer again let's let's create craft independent well-brewed beers Mm. um but Germany already has that they Mm. already have well-brewed beers that are cheap so there's no point to have a a, a revolution there really Mm. um having said that though, as Chloe said a friend of mine has a brewery in Bavaria um and he wanted to brew a lemongrass wheat beer so really nothing too crazy it's not like the oat cream, ale, triple-fruited IPAs that we're seeing and stuff like that. It's literally a wheat beer with a little bit of lemongrass in the whirlpool, and the brewer's band, brewers, whatever they call themselves, um, they told him, no, nah, you can't do it. It's it's not allowed. It's got a, a fifth ingredient in there. You you can't do it. And if you do do it. We'll tell you to pull it off the shelves and you have to dump it. So... Wow. Yeah. So in some states in Germany, they're really strict on their, on their stuff. And it really does stunt creativity. Yeah. So one yeah. aspect, being here in Australia, we're really grateful to be able to experiment um, with all sorts of ingredients and stuff like that. Um, but there's still always a, a special spot in my heart for, for your traditional lagers yeah. and beers and stuff like that.
5: Do do we are we in Australia now seeing like we uh, people have been to Germany and brewers who have who have kind of travelled over there, a lot of them. What a common thing that they all say is that that as soon as you've tried a lager, one of the lager varieties in Germany, you just get it. They just yeah, get that yeah. that that freshness and that yeah. straight out of the tank that 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 kind of r- real brightness that you get you don't necessarily see after it's been on a ship and traveled all over the Um, are we starting to see in, in the Australian craft market, those type of beers? Do you think, I think this is, I think this kind of gives, gives you a really great sense of it, but, but yeah, are we seeing more of that. Is that something that, that, I think
2: the, so. that- Like Obviously I'm, I'm incredibly biased for our beers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think we produce it, but I think it—it's definitely in the eye of the beholder. So my experiences with German beers are like almost expanding almost five-ish years.
4: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so I've had all these like really personal experiences with like drinking Bitburger for the first time. I knew exactly where I was the first time I had Bitburger. Mm-hmm. I knew exactly the first time all these beers. So I've got these really strong memories associated with lagers. I'm not sure if a lot of other drinkers have them and if they do have them what they look like because obviously everything's so different for everyone a lot of per- people's first beer have per- a first lager experience might be Oktoberfest. so then they're going to associate October uh, lagers with like a leader or I think mm-hmm. the it's an interesting conversation to have about how people are not only introduced to them but how they experience them. and I think that's that plays out in what they think a lager should be and what a lager could be
0: i think it's a, it's a very good point and yeah. yes i perhaps when i said earlier on in our podcast that uh we're going to have a non-australasian guest coming up soon live with us uh i'll be more specific we're going to have someone from germany live on with us in a couple that's of so weeks cool apart. who so, is it oh no no no, that would be <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> drop some names yeah so i'd be
2: interested like we did a we did a um tasting session with the guys from the Hofbrauhaus house the other day and um you know they were saying it's it's so similar to what they they have on tap there so obviously for the, for us that's such a great compliment wow
5: absolutely but i yeah. think
2: the way that we produce lager and the way that we produce beer is first off we stand for for the best quality beer that we can do and second we want to reproduce the emotional attachment that we have to the beers that we love
3: because whenever i drink our Hellas, um i just it just transports me back transports me back to to the uh, augustina beer garden oh. just I'm, yeah, um, you know sitting there under the uh the what are they called in english big oh, no, they say
5: it in german no what's the german thing you're sitting under um it's the,
2: the yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: does, it, does it translate to the english trees That's yeah. a, <laughs> the um castanian cu-
4: balm. so it
3: oh, my, i don't know what it is what is that oh, yeah, it's a know. tree mold. anyway it's a tree <laughs> throws a lot of uh, uh light.
2: Chestnut chestnut trees. I don't fucking know. No. Just accelerate
3: <laughs> um, moving along. Yeah. yeah, and it just transports me back to back to that. And I am um, I just just love to get quite nostalgic whenever whenever drinking one of those.
2: You know who do actually do really cool beer and I'm I'm annoyed that our craft um paths cross is that um parasite brewery in, oh, in uh uh
4: Parasite production. Yeah, they do some Berlin.
2: sick beers. Sorry if I ruined your surprise, but I've just got to mention them now. They're doing some sick beers. It's cool seeing um, Australian kind of-
5: <laughs> da- David screwed. David's taken <laughs> <laughs> <And> I, just, <laughs> I, I saw him
4: make that. I was like, wait, hang
3: on. Is that who it is? <laughs> no, no it's um,
2: cool seeing, Oh, maybe. Uh, when they? <laughs> I think Australia is, is um, you know, and this kind of, it took me leaving it to really realise is, is it? Well, oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. sorry, sorry. I, could have, I could have kept my beautiful mouth shut, but I couldn't. Um, yeah, I think Australia is really interesting in the way that um, we're, we're quite fearless when it comes to food and drink. And mm-hmm. for two Australians to go over to Germany and be like, I'm going to open a craft brewery. It's like, why? Because <laughs> it, that's why. <laughs> I was
0: going to ask that question sooner or later. but it's, yeah. uh, I mean, in, in a really positive way, but it must be the most amazing experience to sort of go over there and what did the neighbours say that first day when you sort of move <laughs> what we gonna well, do? Well,
2: our neighbours thought um we had a drinking problem. <laughs> so, and they so weren't wrong. It's not wrong. They were it's just hurtful that they said that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it was very it was something that only we could have done at that time and place. Like it was you know, I know we were like, young enough to believe that we could. <laughs> do
0: you think it was the young bit? Is, is, the, is the youthfulness bit important? Like, you just it's, sort of yes it's, yes, it's the audacity to go to
3: the Germany audacity. to show them to yeah. be Like, yeah. like <laughs> yeah.
2: So, I think that's, um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know why, but um, no, it was, it was, it was
3: good because kind of so, yeah, pretty much. So, uh, we moved well, I moved to Germany, and Chloe, uh. Followed, <laughs> so I moved to Germany to do my and Malta apprenticeship. Um, and once that was finished, I wanted to continue learning and gaining my experience in different brews around Germany and stuff like that. Um, and then after brewing the same beers over and over again, we just started missing uh, pale ales, IPAs, mm.
2: um, like the stuff that we take for granted. Yeah, we really saw that there was a hole in the market the reason there's a hole in the market is people don't really need it but we would make beers for um, our well, um, us and our friends yeah us and our friends and essentially we would drink drink them every i don't want to say day because it sounds like a good problem but we would drink them every day on a friend's balcony and essentially we just whittled it down to the point where we knew we we, we, we wanted to do these three beers and we just kind of fell into it but i think that's what we thought was going to happen when we came back to australia was we were going to see that there was something missing in the market but i mean there's so many incredible breweries out there today that it kind of made us not need to
0: it's a really interesting reflection Mm, yeah particularly given some of the recent guests that we've had on who you know so with our friends from golden hills the other day who i think you know had the broadest sort of spectrum of beers although i've got to say so we had 12 different beers from them we've got Which eight is- different beers from you guys in our mm. pasting packs it's, we could have had that many more it just happened to be that those were the ones that were fresh and ready to go at the door it's yeah. um is we that actually- is that the beauty of having a brew pub that you can sort of keep rotating things through and definitely. you've almost yeah, got yeah the-
3: definitely so so yeah definitely so as as i was saying so in this last brew that i've worked at in germany i literally brewed three different beers. It was a Helles, a Pilsner and a Weizen. And that was pretty much it. <laughs> so, and brewing that for years at a time, it's just like, uh, I want a pale ale. <laughs> like, so yeah, it's pretty much what we... Mm. So we honestly
2: used to go to Berlin as a respite. It was that place that we would go to, you know, to have... Food that wasn't German food, (laughs) and because German Berlin itself is just so multicultural compared to the rest of Germany, it's like its own little country. And, um, Wolfman, I've got a surprise for you when this chat is over. We're doing it again, baby. (laughs) But anyone (laughs) asking Wolfgang, what about the lemon drop nephew? We're re-brewing that, Wolfgang Wolfman. Oh, that's uh,
5: that's Shannon, yeah, that's Shannon. Um, <laughs> um,
0: Another
2: <laughs> with that in mind it is a horrible beer um <laughs> actually but it doesn't
0: taste like compost so. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway i've derailed to this, to that to yeah to i've derailed this conversation what was the
2: question what was the question Where, what
5: no you know? i think you you did it oh, that's great <laughs> yeah well the question the question was answered like 25 minutes ago apologies but just had fun like going through what you you guys are talking about. I think the question was about um I think I was just discussing how about lagers and how you might I oh know I can't even well, remember. Yeah, what, but do. the my like, like the next thing, well the next thing and what that question was perhaps leading to is do you think the Australian market will ever dive into that lager that like will they ever come back from from and triple hopped IPAs?
2: I hope they Come back to mainly because if it does, guess who's suddenly cool (laughs) Bury? No, because that's never gonna happen. (laughs) Um, But um, I think the the reason the massive problem that we have, especially in Melbourne, is a lot of people's first introduction to lager was VP and Carlton and so they have that really guttural experience of of their dad drinking a beer, drinking it, Mm -hmm. hating it, and um you know thinking writing off that style forever mm. so i think when i'm talking to people and i want them to try out our lager they always say like oh no i don't and it's normally because they've got had that really bad first experience which i totally understand like why would you try it again if you know you don't like it when there's so many other incredible styles in the market i do hope it comes around because <laughs> Chloe will be busy. Something that I love,
3: <laughs> yeah, some, something that I love about um is like a traditional German hellas is that you can't hide anything. So yeah. It's, there's there's mm. not a massive amount of dry hops, there's not a massive mm. amount of roasted malts. There's if you make a mistake in fermentation and keeping that yeast happy, you're you're going to get some slight sulfury mm-hmm. tones and stuff like that and mm-hmm. that's not meant to be. That you might you might have a yeast that doesn't completely metabolize the diacetyl and stuff like that. And that you can't hide in a Hellas. So, what? What? One of my teachers always said, "If you want to, uh, first off, he said, a good brewer brews good beer. The best brewer brews a consistent beer, and the best brewer brews a consistent Hellas. Because if you can nail a Hellas, then then you,
0: you've got it."
4: That's um, a how do you say that in German?
2: <laughs>
0: Sorry? Yeah. How do you say that in German? I imagine it sounds slightly more.
4: You know,
2: The word you're looking for is angry.
3: Ein <laughs> 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 oh, <laughs> an gute, what did he say Ein gutes Bier, die beste Brau, Brau oder beste Brau Braut, ein consistent. <laughs> Fuck, I don't know anymore. Shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Embarrassing.
2: Oh my god, <laughs> you've lost your German pass. You can no longer brew beers. But the cool thing that um we're doing at Burnley is we're introducing a whole lager series. So I'm aware people don't want them. But we
1: are brewing them. So, <laughs> have, you be- seen a, have you Have you noticed a shift of like where where you know there are quite a number of craft breweries here in Melbourne and mm. across Australia that are brewing lagers?
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: I kind of feel like maybe your lager series is it's, it's going to arrive at the exact right time that um, we're yeah. we're going to you know moving on to that lager thing.
2: Maybe, but
6: also actually, we'll no, because we'll actually- we're not a lucky
2: brewery. <laughs> but maybe you never know I think predicting what's going to happen in this market is 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 going to eventually screw you over because it's such an unpredictable market and that's what I really like about it is you can brew to what you want to drink or you can brew to what is in fashion and I think if you just brew to what you want to drink eventually people turn around and say hey there's actually really good beers and give Mm. them a shot so that's kind of the the inspiration behind our lager series is there's um a, an element to burnley where we want to be producing beers that we want to drink and most of our staff want to be drinking lagers so did you
5: did you want to expand on your uh on your lager series thing like what what does the lager series
2: <laughs> oh on? sure so um we've got a fantastic um pr person at our tap room we used to have two but we had to let one go due to covid and um we always used to sign off our meetings with "take it easy." So, in an effort to be um, cool to a 22-year-old, I've named this beer "Take It Easy." <laughs> Do I regret my decisions? Yes, but you've got to learn from them. So, the next one we're producing is a um, mango and pineapple lager, just designed to be super, super sessionable, super sneaky in the fact where people might see the fruit and um, you know give lagers a go. Um, the next one we're really, really excited about um, producing is a Ridler, which is obviously a style that we're bringing from Germany. It's just designed to be the perfect. Um, if you've got a bogan mum like myself, she would have called it a shandy growing up.
6: So it's mm-hmm. just
2: designed to be a perfect summer beer. <laughs> Look at Karen. Karen loved that joke. She, yeah. she <laughs> knows that. That. <laughs> Um So we're just attempting to put more of a modern modern spin on beers that are um, somewhat of a forgotten style.
3: Yeah. Well, because Radler, so just actually, uh, someone actually just mentioned, are you going to be canning more if you're delicious German I've beers? I've got a thousand
2: bucks. That was Jackie, because that is something Jackie would say. Oh, yeah, it is Jackie.
3: Okay. So um, <laughs> so um, Radler was always the perfect, like, knockoff. Oh, so Radler pretty much is is half... Pilsner or half Hellas with, with half lemonade
4: mm-hmm. and
3: you know, depending on what pub you go to it's either mixed in front of you mm-hmm. or you can buy cans for it or have it on tap and stuff like that but it's something that you don't really actually, I haven't really seen it here in Australia
0: I, I order uh, There one. was a really
3: crappy sort of cut and draft version
5: yeah. there, but no, oh. The garage, pro- garage Project do one oh,
4: that's oh, that's, and, that's and, and, and
5: yeah. I think they've decided not to do it again because yeah, yeah. residual sugar doesn't work is
0: really tough to
5: can
4: yeah 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 yeah. Yeah.
0: very true I I always remember I'm going to butt in here for a little personal reminiscence that my first day in Germany having flown from Australia I'd never been anywhere else in the world went to a brewery in Germany because I wanted a beer and walked in I said I'd more or less work my way through the beer menu and so I had this radler and then another radler and then another one I thought these these beers are nothing like what i'd expected german beers oh. to be. <laughs> <laughs> but i was too polite and i must have had just enough sort of basic german to be convincing that i knew what i wanted and i drank through like you know 6 liters of those beers oh my gosh before i sort of finally said uh, what you know and probably by that stage in english what beer would you recommend I yeah. drink <laughs> and they pointed about you know 20 beers further down the list than I was out at the stage so yeah there's a little tip for young players who might be going over to <laughs> <the> <laughs> yeah. The first yeah. I, yeah I reckon so,
5: the last time I had a shanty was at the Royal Mail because I'd been drinking at the Royal Mail the previous
0: five one nine Spencer Street. yep
3: yeah
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah so 'Cause Radlers I think is the best knockoff drink yeah. and every now and then it's like just finishing summer, after yeah. yeah, just finishing after a long day of canning or something like that. It's like, oh god damn it, I just want a Radler. Mm. <laughs> and um and Radler was well, mixing Radlers was, was one of my jobs uh, at the last brewery that I worked at. So I was like, well, it's something I've done before, why not just do it here? Yeah.
2: So I think as well, COVID's kind of changed how we've where we've envisioned where drinking these beers.
4: Um, yeah, right.
2: And it used to be that we would be envisioning us drinking these at, um, at the front Burnley. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, uh, well, I always envisioned it. It was one of those like, really hot nights and, you know, the tram was coming past and the cars were there and people walking past. So I always had this really vivid idea of where the rider would be. Now, obviously, that's changed to be the beers that I want to have in the bath or the beers I want to have in the garden, or there's been a slight environmental change of where I see people enjoying these beers. So this one for me is um, a very summer. Honestly, I see my mum with like 30 prawns, just munching her way through prawns and eating, drinking this beer.
3: <laughs> image of yeah, my I'm, <laughs> <in the
2: top.
5: laughs> maybe now is a good time to get people to start thinking about the next beer and we we'll, we've got a couple more questions but let's think about, about moving to the grapefruit ipa um while and while we're finishing the the delicious vienna lager i might just continue on our conversation about the brew pub itself and yeah regulars how much feedback have they had i mean look, your 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 clients and people who drink at the pub we often, with the brew pubs we've, we've uh, talked to, we often ask, yeah, well, how, how do they affect what you do and, and what you're putting on tap and, what, and the feedback? Is it
2: oh, it's ast- astronomical? For, for us, the tap room is, is really their space. It's, it's um, you know, what do you want to see here next time you're here? And um, I think they've really helped us shape. Um, the taproom series, we've we've got a selection of beers that we always have on rotation at the taproom because we know that that's what they want or they've asked for it or there's been a couple of times where, for example, the um, the Flex IPA that we released a couple of months ago, we know that's a taproom beer. So in our mind, that was almost like a love letter to our customers saying like, I'm sorry, we can't open our doors. Do you please take this beer and think of us? Like it's it's been a way where we can kind of, Communicate with them even if we can't see them.
5: Mm. Yeah, that makes a Is lot of that sense. That's depressing. Yeah, maybe. Sorry. No. <laughs> it's not an, it's not as depressing as a heft and coke. A heft. Yeah. Yeah. Coke oh, <laughs> oh my god! <gosh>, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? Travis,
0: can you just cut really? out the reference to that? It's yeah. Just,
5: yeah, I'll just do an edit there. <laughs> yeah, it's, we don't really edit these
0: hard, but that's got to go.
5: Um, <laughs> in in london i i once served uh, a first growth a <laughs> i i once served a, a, a 82 first growth bordeaux and coke to a, no. a well, yeah a very very wealthy uh middle eastern kind of
2: oh my god um, honestly eat the uh, rich i cannot express that enough eat the rich <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah totally yeah 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 totally we should we should just yeah um, like, like people can drink whatever the hell they want but yeah, don't don't take the piss. And then yeah, mix it like that. That's the. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, it's like it, you should have. Like, and he insisted that I leave the can on the table, like he wanted me to open the can in front of it because
4: uh. that was the
5: most important bit. The coke was the most important bit.
4: <laughs> Not, <laughs> oh, oh
0: actually,
2: that reminds. We me. were
0: all young once. We all we <laughs> all <laughs> regret.
2: When we I don't wish to list them out. <laughs> when we were in Stockholm, they thought um, we were we were out at a club, and someone is like, "Oh, if you see a bottle of champagne, it's it's um they're not going to drink it. They we we saw this kid buy a bottle of champagne and then get the staff to pour it down the sink. Oh
4: yeah,
3: was it well, oh. flushing?
2: Flushing, yeah. It's
3: just to flaunt how much money they have.
4: Like, yeah, oh. how you get that, delightful!
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I've never had that problem. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Eat yeah. the
2: ridge. I'll say it again.
0: Now, <laughs> Warren, did you have there. any other questions about the Vienna before we moved on? I don't think so.
2: Totally. how, well,
0: how do you make no no? How do you make
5: it? Tell the world how you make it.
2: Oh God! <laughs> what,
5: what's the what's the bit? What's the bit? What's a secret? Is there a secret? Is there some sort of cheeky German secret that all the Germans know and Australia? Yeah, t-
2: we whisper into it "Guten Frühstück," which is good, good breakfast, and then it's like comes alive.
0: <laughs> so I've I've learned a new German word this week, which is acceptable uh, drinking at breakfast time. Oh something. my gosh! Did, oh, wait, wait, did Evans tell you that? No, 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 this is uh, our, my new German friends that I'm making. Oh,
2: yeah, Fruschoppen. That was my first German word. <laughs> that says a lot. Because um, Evan... Fru- fru- so, my dad taught Chloe
3: yeah, that. Yeah, it's like, taught me that. Um, before you step inside this house, yeah. you need to learn shopping. <laughs> <fru-schoppen.
2: laughs> you ain't wrong. We, Evan, who's the, um, one of the reps for Fixation, he loves lagers. And he was drinking one before midday and sent me a photo. He's like, "Oh, I hope you're not judging." I was like, "Bruh, that is literally a cultural icon. Like, <laughs> you've got a fruit, you've got a fruit shop. What what is Sunday for if not fruit shopping?" Well,
0: then, yeah. that was the whole negotiation about having people, you know, from Germany live in this room, effectively, oh, yes. while <laughs> we're at 6:30 in Melbourne time. And, it's like, uh, and I said, "Is that okay?" And they said, "And they said fruit shopping." <laughs> it was yeah. like, "What do you mean you're going fruit shopping?" I mean, you know. <laughs> didn't know you are from North Bendigo and you dropped your G's.
4: There's
3: there's actually a couple of good questions in the um... Yeah, there
5: is some good questions, yeah. I'm just going to let you guys handle that.
3: Yeah, what's what's the turnover time? So our lagers take um, six to eight weeks. So we have a primary fermentation that goes for seven to ten days. Six
2: to Um, eight weeks? Yeah, so we're very stupid in the fact that we take pride in making good beer. We could turn six that to eight out weeks
3: though.
2: <laughs> we could turn that out quicker if we didn't want to make good beer. Obviously, the priority is always
3: eggs. Because a um a, a a so yeah, so six to eight weeks because the primary fermentation um takes uh yeah seven to ten days and um, depending on how on your yeast health really, which is number one tip Max asked. I'll get onto that in a sec. Um, and then you have a lager time because the whole point of lagering is for the yeast to re-metabolize even further some byproducts of the fermentation such as sulfur diacetyl aldehyde, and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um and that that what is four to six weeks of lagering is um they show signs of like a third of each of those um byproducts being reduced even further Mm -hmm. Um, so the number one tip is just yeast health because if your yeast is happy there's going to be a very small amount of um, lag phase. Um, There's so many
0: hashtags that I'm not going to use. When I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, lag phase is an awesome one. You should
5: Even
0: yes, just yeast health, I'm a bit dodgy on.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so the lag time is going to be extremely reduced, which means that the yeast is going to be healthy. It's going to go through a really good ex- exponential and growth phase, mm-hmm. slash growth phase, depends how you want to say it um and then towards the end of fermentation those byproducts will be re-metabolized real well and quickly which means that you're you won't have a need for a diacetyl rest a lot of breweries actually raise the temperature of a lager towards the end to have what's called a diacetyl rest to re-metabolize that diacetyl but if your yeast is healthy you don't need to do that and you keep it nice and cold what yeast you to use wolfman i'm not telling you mm-hmm. so um, <laughs> so that's that's pretty much it the biggest tip is Seriously, keep your yeast healthy. Have the right cell count, so you're twenty-five to thirty million cells per milliliter. Um, you want your oxygen to be right, so it's in the right environment. So you want to be at eight to nine grams per liter. That's that's it.
0: it's so, you, so simple. Yeah. I don't understand why yeah. I've never <laughs> a good before.
3: End time. and time. Yeah. <laughs> um, did, the, did,
5: the so one. back. Back to Wolfman's question, uh, just really quickly. Did you bring yeast through customs <laughs> and not declare it? <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. At <laughs> the risk God. of incriminating ourselves? No, yeah, no comment. Who's signing
0: Who on? Who's <laughs> on? <laughs> We can edit this out later. Yeah, we can edit this out. Just let us know. You can, you can just give us a thumbs up or something like yeah, that. I'll you, you know, <laughs> put it in in emoji. Yeah. <laughs> now, let's, let's move on because we're conscious that we've already, you know, that you've got other duties that you might need Ooh. to attend to. Yeah. And so we've still got uh, two more Michael, beers to get Michael through. Michael can pop so, out
2: and do the thing. It will take like 10 minutes and then he can join us again.
0: So Michael's going to go and do uh, trivia, which is yeah. a fantastic little break. If you enjoy trivia and you'd like to hear me asking you trivia questions, feel free to look for David Griffiths for City of Melbourne, where (laughs) I'm running for the City of Melbourne Council. I'm running a uh, trivia quiz in two weeks' time. So there you go. That's the most shameless plug we've ever managed yet. Is that the council you're running for? I'll I'll do a little link for that for people who really have nothing else to do on Saturday nights.
5: Melbourne Melbourne City, Chloe. Oh, really? Yeah, Really?
2: Damn, that's
0: sick. Let's just move on before we (laughs) go down a particularly uh, political There's a a lot of sick things about it, Chloe, but I don't know. (laughs) So the next beer that we're having is the Grapefruit IPA. So there's a couple of IPAs contained in people's tasting packs. Remembering you can buy tasting packs for future events through the Shopify uh, account that we have. Um. Chloe, how how many different types of IPAs have have come out recently? And I guess from your vantage point of having to sell some of these things and talk about them, how do you feel about all the different adjuncts and does that make it easier or harder when you're out there sort of explaining to people who might be trying them for the first time?
2: It kind of depends. I feel like Burnley, Burnley as a brewery, our... um, we're not really known for IPAs, like we will just essentially talking about lagers for almost an hour. Um, IPAs, I think, are for us really exciting because they're kind of the unknown. They're the beer where we can learn the most about brewing and about flavour balance and about hops, because obviously that's kind of why we left Germany was to have this extreme experience with them. The reason that we picked a grapefruit for this one was just uh, one of the owner, Neil, has been desperate to, um, as I said, we're just kind of going through our bucket list beers. I've always wanted a pineapple lager, hence why I got a pineapple lager. He's always wanted a grapefruit IPA. So (laughs) we're going down with the beers that we want. And I don't know what it is about a grapefruit IPA, but it's so refreshing. Um, And I think the interesting thing about the grapefruit IPA is how versatile it is like if you have the obviously the most iconic one for me is the one from fixation if you have that and compare it with this you're, you're dealing with two different beers which for me is really exciting to see that balance and that personality of each brewery come through
4: yeah
5: <laughs> I, I reckon my my favorite adjunct ipa was the first one i've tried the first grapefruit i tried and that was oh actually no david griffith bought that case to going away that we were, on. on not It, it, a,
0: a, it a was the Elvis, the Elvis the,
5: one. It was, um,
2: oh, Elvis, Elvis juice, Elvis juice Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so when yeah. we were in, um, Germany, one of the only beers that we could readily get was Elvis juice. So, uh, that's not we, a bad
5: thing. That's kind no, of cool. It's great. We yeah. used
2: to get a box a month from, um, Brewdog and when we had saved enough we used to get a box from omipolo so it was something about that grapefruit beer that we used to drink when we were walking along um, the river or you know drinking outside in germany is okay um and there's something about it that i feel like a lot of people really introduced to how complex ipas Um, can be mm -hmm. via grapefruit because you can kind of realize that hops are so so interesting when you layer them and add something that's kind of unpredicted. And I yeah. think grapefruit's a really good kind of ship to deliver these new flavours on.
0: And and this is a beer that definitely tastes like grapefruit, mm. but I guess a bit like the Elvis juice that if you were giving it to someone who wasn't a craft beer drinker and said, here, mm. have a good beer, yeah, they would happily drink this. Yeah, definitely. Go, oh, did you realise this had grapefruit in it? Yeah. <laughs> and then they go, oh, hang on, can you put things, whereas we used to do that with the Elvis juice, but go, oh, no, I don't want beer with fruit in it. Mm. But-
2: I, th- I think, sorry, I interrupted. The um, One of the goals that we've always had uh, for our beers is obviously making the best beers that we possibly could, but it's also introducing people into beers for the first time. A lot of people come to Burnley and they've only ever had, you know, really high commercially made beer or they've um, you know, not ever had it because of certain things. And I think our method of making beers is essentially getting one beer that somebody likes and then kind of tricking them into liking other ones.
0: Absolutely. And I
2: think grapefruit IPA is a really easy kind of sell for people who are scared of beer.
0: Yeah. yeah because it contains all those fantastic flavors so, i mean exactly if you were to if you were a tasting for people who basically never drank craft beer or particularly never drank burnley before how would you talk them through this beer what flavors what's coming through that's actually from the hops and rather than the grapefruit you know give us a little spiel about this one
2: i always find um tasting sessions kind of difficult because i absolutely love but doing I'm sorry them that
0: we i should have given you a heads up an
4: hour no, no, and a half i, about I
2: absolutely love doing them but i found over the couple of the couple of years i've done them they can be really isolating because if you say you should be tasting xyz and somebody's not tasting yeah. them it automatically puts people on the back foot so i think tasting beers and learning how to communicate what you're tasting is something that's an evolving art I had this problem last year where I lost a lot of the taste um, that a lot of my taste sensations, but I still mm. had that um, communication skill, and I still had that idea of what the beer felt like in my in my mouth. So whenever we are doing tasting sessions, we always encourage people to to just shout out words with what you're tasting because there's no wrong answers. Well, why don't
0: we get everyone in the Zoom room to type the word that they're tasting there? Because yes. I reckon that's a really good idea. I think it's a really good idea for let people express what they're feeling. No judgment, except yeah, when you exactly. say cheese or compost. <laughs>
2: well, <I laughs> compost think that's, is
0: not the word we're looking for.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's why I really like beer. Is, is it is really hard for people to? Also, it's a comfort thing, right? It's if I say something and you're not tasting it, that's like I don't want to be accused of not knowing what I'm talking about. So. We always try and flip these um, tasting sessions on their head rather than me telling what you you should be trying. I'm curious what you're getting and what you're experiencing. And I think because a lot of people have emotional connections with certain things. I, my grandma used to have a grapefruit tree, so I used to effing hate grapefruit. And I still kind of hate it because she used to make me eat it. So (laughs) I have this sensation of knowing what grapefruit feels like. And I associate it with that memory. But I think if I was just going to give people buzzwords, everyone's mentioning the buzzwords that I would say, it's just like a zesty, poppy, Mm. funky beer.
5: Yep. That makes a lot of sense. The, The emotional connections, kind of that thing that like, when you said Bitburger, it took me directly back to when I the first one I ever had and it was in a it's it was at Durham in Richmond, which was a cocktail bar that yes. used to be there. Yeah. And that was the first time I had one. And I just didn't film a cocktail, but I smashed a million Bit Burgers.
4: Yeah.
5: Um but yeah, the the smell, the the look of the room, the, the those bottles hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And like I think the, that's
2: something that sorry, I interrupted.
5: No, go on. No, I was just saying the emotional connection is, yeah. is that you've, I think you've you've hit the nail on the head with.
2: I think that's more important when, when we're communicating about beer, which is something that I really miss about um, my life pre-COVID was I would do tasting sessions every Friday and that is hands down my favourite thing to do because I'm talking about beer with the customers rather than on a wholesale level, I'm talking about what I love to talk about with people consuming it. So I would always encourage people to essentially talk about the memories that they've got associated with certain things. Cause I always, I'm always curious about seeing that window of that person's life for even if it's 10 seconds, it's that sharing of language that I think it's a it's a lot more important than people realize.
0: Mm. Can I ask a question following on from that, but maybe a bit juxtaposed, which is on the side of your cans, you're doing the Plato. Sorry, is Harry, very... it's <laughs> <Hello, laughs> Harry the dog.
2: Can you know, embarrass me, please. Being <laughs> working mother is so hard. You can't stand it.
0: <laughs> on the side of the cans, you've 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 got the cu- the Plato on each of them. Yes. Which is a quite a technical thing, and probably for a lot of Australian drinkers in particular, something that's you know a very different sort of concept to taste what you like. Can you explain for people who haven't encountered Plato before what that means and why yes. the brewery thinks it's worth putting that on there? How-
2: well, I mean, obviously you've met Michael. He's a fucking nerd. And we like being pretty honest with um, the more technical language because we want people to come in, kind of be encouraged to ask those questions and learn something. So even if it takes somebody seeing that word and Googling it, you've already kind of fallen into the rabbit hole of, of where beer comes from. Um, it was mates
0: with Socrates and Aristotle, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but
2: it's essentially how I describe it to people at Burnley is essentially the the lifeblood of blood of the beer, how it's um, how it's transformed and how it's gone during fermentation. We take that number really seriously, obviously, because we're a predominantly lager brewery and we like to see what uh, what one plus one is going to equal. Um, but the reason we've put it on there is because we want people to go home and and Google these terms, and so we've obviously got the IBU on most cans as well and we put that on our can for the exact same reason. We want people to kind of go home and get engulfed in these language and so.
0: So what does Plato mean? Imagine that despite the fact that I've been selling beer for 400 years that yeah. I've never heard the phrase before. How would you explain it to me?
2: I would explain it to you just like that. It's the lifeblood of how the beer has gone during fermentation. I can get Michael to come out and give the technical answer if you Oh my god, he's a ghost! I've summoned him. Okay. <laughs> do you
0: summon ghosts or That's do you summon amazing. demons? Or am I being a little bit <laughs> Same sort of English teacher?
3: Um, so I, you know, I was meant to uh, give a ten-minute discussion about a uh, another beer release we had, but I just couldn't get onto that chat room. Not as organised as uh, Nah, no, nah, that would be organised too. I was just thinking it's my phone's shit.
0: Doesn't matter anyway. What beer was it? What beer are you releasing to them? You haven't released to us.
3: What's so that, that banana bread, it's a, it's a collab that we did with a local beer that uh, the two guys were on here earlier and well, not two, two of the four, um, Nick and, um, and Hugo, but, uh, I can't get on to
6: them. Okay, I'll try my Anyway,
0: uh, let's. Tell go. us about Plato. Uh, we're thinking togas, long hair, a bit of a beard. <laughs> uh, if I'm right in remembering, he wrote down what Socrates said because Socrates wasn't a big writer. And then Aristotle came along and it all went downhill from there. Mm. I love pretty, um, pretty much. Sorry, I um,
2: <laughs> not Cody has gone pretty um he said I associate a grapefruit with my father trying to drop a few stone before visiting his car. Yeah, Cora, Cora,
5: well, Corey. core not corey's in great form right than yes, the uh, goes in hard, like, I love it. The, yeah, of, not Cory is just awesome. Well let's replace not Cory with the yeah.
1: I kind of yeah. agree with you. I think from now on, not Corey's invited into the call room. Corey,
3: you're banished.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Michael, um, tell us
0: about Plato. <laughs> so, so, actually,
3: James, James, James
2: kind of hit the nail on the yeah, head. Yeah,
3: exactly. Oh, so he? Plato and so James has just said Plato and original gra- gravity are kind of the are kind of similar, right? Um, so they are two methods. So Plato and specific gravity are two methods of um, measuring density. So specific gravity is literally the weight Sorry, of me. liquid. So if one milliliter or one cubic centimeter of liquid is weighed, that's what your specific gravity would be. So let's just say, a, um, a, a let me just think of something, a one, jesus christ why is this i can't think right now <laughs> um, so 100 grams of liquid so 90 grams of liquid with 10 grams of sugar in it would be a 1.040 specific gravity whereas it would be 10 oh, data. So, <laughs> uh, yeah that's what, why i so, didn't want to
2: go into it i'm so sorry so, i was trying to hang this.
3: So that's, no, no, do it do yeah, it let's... so literally what plato is saying is how many grams of sugar in 100 grams of liquid so it needs to be grams so weight weight not weight volume or volume volume so so when saying plato so the the grapefruit ipa is 15 Plato, so it means that it's 15 grams of sugar per 100 grams of wort before it's fermented so from that we're able to determine how much um, alcohol we're going to have in the beer and it's something that brewers normally use to actually build their recipes so if they say okay i want this to be a a strong beer but with a lot of multi backbone they say okay i want to have let's just say take the grapefruit rpa for example i want to start with um 15 play-doh but then i want to finish at 3.5 or something like that meaning there's there's a good 3.5 grams of residual sugar um left over in the uh, beer now i could go more technical and say that's apparent sugar but let's not do that
5: uh, what? <laughs> Why wouldn't you also, just out of interest And this, like, you you know, I don't know if there's, there's a valid reason for this, but why wouldn't you also put the finishing Plato on the can?
3: Um, So you can actually determine that from the ABV. Um, So if people
5: are
3: are really keen, they could figure it out. But I think most, most people just want to know the, the original. Yeah. Original way to maybe, maybe EBC. So the color of a beer or the, um, the the, the ibu so the bitterness of a beer um i think i think residual player or residual uh, gravity uh, i don't think people are really really
4: care for that to be honest
5: yeah no probably not well it's it's the, yeah the nerds in the room tonight are definitely having
4: a, bit a like now, like
5: a know. part of me that's on a spectrum yeah. is really into this
4: yeah <laughs> right
1: like, this is, so I I could, i'm i'm, I'm, I'm going back to like VCE science at the moment in my head, trying to work it out, and it makes perfect sense. Um, I'm going back to when I was 12.
3: <laughs> I feel
1: like we could do an entire podcast on this subject matter, David. I know. I feel I, like okay. I'm
0: going back to when I was a philosophy teacher, probably inspired by Plato, and <laughs> that whole concept about how trying to satisfy your desires is really just like trying to fill, you know, jars with a hole in them, and that it's much better to have less desires like Epicurus sort of suggested, and therefore they're easier to satisfy. But I feel like we've been sidetracked there.
4: Yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm diverse.
0: (laughs) Strangely enough, not sidetracked as far as we normally go. So this is true. But
4: let us ask
0: the question then that sidetracks the podcast the most and has done- I've got a question. Do you reckon
2: Princess Diana was killed or was it accidental? Let's let's sidetrack ourselves.
5: Oh, I think it was. Oh. <laughs> I've never I heard not, I don't really, reckon that's the biggest silence that question's ever got no, at all. You know, you know. <laughs> that's
2: going to make a great podcast as well. It's like silent.
5: I saw an ad for a, another, another Lindy Chamberlain documentary the other day. Ring the bell, Travis. Ring the bell. Ring the, <laughs> yeah, ring the bell. But, like, we, we have
0: to do this again? Are people yeah, that
3: right? fucking stupid?
5: Yeah. Really?
0: So moving right along to our traditional It was a cool room of law. question. Yeah. <laughs> Innocent, for fuck's sake.
2: Well, Leave her woman alone. Had the, worst. the woman had the worst life. I agree yeah. with Max, i.e. that comment.
0: <laughs> our traditional cool room question that we love to ask. Uh, we call the podcast The Cool Room because, well, it's based around the idea that the cool room is always the most difficult to get along with a bit of machinery in any pub or bar probably in breweries as well and so mm-hmm. we'd love to ask questions about what's the strangest or funniest thing you've ever seen occur in a cool room but it could also be something else it would be just in a brewery the best mistake you've made that you've never had the chance to fess up to in front of your parents or I've got a uh, anything one. along those lines oh, yes oh, disgusting. We, that's, that's what
2: we want to hear i want to um Anyone who's got a queasy little belly might want to give me five minutes.
0: Uh, so, it, we've had some really bad ones. You've got to be go hard here. This is and much more interesting than raspberries.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so this isn't um uh, brewing related. It's um it has to do with cool room because cool room is that. But I used to work in an Irish pub that was quite literally called an Irish pub in Germany and the legal drinking age is 16 so by the time you get to 18 you're you're cool you're not you're not trying to binge drink anymore you're just trying to live your life but 16 obviously is a problem so the um this person who will remain nameless let's let's name him klaus just for the thing of the story is he gonna gonna hear
1: this i mean really
2: Actually, no, I've got two stories. One involves waffle stomping. I'm going to uh, save that for later.
3: Yeah,
1: so Klaus-
2: well
3: <laughs> guys, guys, you guys asked. Um. Yeah.
2: So Klaus essentially got a beer, realized that he couldn't handle a beer, finished the whole Weizen, so the Weizen glass was like a, like a vase, promptly vomits back into that glass and then drinks it again, not realizing it's
6: vomit. No.
2: Yeah, I got some banger stories. Honestly, hospo, hospo is the greatest form of character building in the world. But
6: yeah,
2: we, we don't want
0: to condone that kind of behaviour. Well, have you heard,
5: like, of Green Week and the Centurion in, in Monash?
0: Let's just move on to class <laughs> number two Wait, uh, I don't story.
2: Say that like it's a bad thing. It's not because technically he is recycling. Yeah, is
5: recycling. yeah, <laughs> re
2: <laughs> okay,
5: story yeah. number two. Go.
2: Oh, sorry, Harry just wants to
5: go outside. Very okay What is Harry? Can we see Harry? Is there any way we could. Can you pick. Is Harry big enough to be picked up? Oh, sorry, Harry earlier, uh, Warren, no, you just weren't in the room.
1: No, no, was, people listening on the podcast, we're now looking no, at right. Harry.
2: Who is a viewsler, who, um, yep
0: In a second, let's just sort of. We'll give a little bit of a break and um, allow people to get ready for the NEPA, which we will finish off on. Uh, Encourage people who are in the room who have a question they'd like to ask uh, Chloe and Michael. uh, Now is the time to start to type that. If you're not in the Zoom room with us um, and you're listening on the podcast, well, first of all, thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast. But also, please do come and join us in the Zoom room one night. We've got some great guests coming up. Make sure you follow Burnley Brewing on social media so that you hear about all of their good things. Make sure you follow the Cool Room podcast on our social media so that you hear about our things as we give more and more hints about who our non-Australasian guests might be as we approach Oktoberfest, uh, which we're very much looking forward to. And make sure you check out uh, the Cool Room podcast at myshopify.com. Uh, I won't explain how many dots and dashes are in that. Only that if you're going to set up a my or a Shopify account, that you give a lot of thought about the address before you uh, make that <laughs> account official. <laughs> I didn't do that. I thought it was going to look different to what it did. That's okay. That's a little bit of a, a trap for young players. Chloe, do you want? Have you got another story you want to share with us? that oh, yes. Perhaps okay, doesn't involve okay, quite doesn't. so much vomit or.
2: Uh, oh, how do we feel about poo?
0: Oh my God, stop! <laughs> no, no. We, uh,
2: we <laughs> did. You, like,
0: <laughs>
5: did you work at? Did you work at uh, the Transport Hotel in in Fed Square? In the oh my the thousands, gosh.
2: the pub I worked at was pretty rough. Like it was, it was an Irish pub, right? So like it was pretty, pretty rough, and um, it was just loose, just a loose place. It was definitely, um, yeah, loose is probably the best word for it.
0: We, yeah, Do you I'll want be.
2: more
0: <laughs> No, yeah. I, I kind of feel like we don't want more stuff. So I reckon just <laughs> because... This I is reckon, the first my, time ever most, David's just gone, no, we don't want to <laughs> <room> hear <laughs> story Normally, also, normally people escalate their stories as well. If that's your introductory, ma, <laughs> I mean, well played, sister, mean. well played. But there's, a, there's <laughs> a little way that you could go from there. I reckon what we're going to suggest to people is that they get that NEPA out. And we're going to ask a couple of basic NEPA questions and then we might kick on with some questions from the zoom room. And I think I've already got one from James and, um, we'll kick on from there, but is everyone got the reloaded Nipah in their hands or in their glasses or nearby? And, um, if they do, I'm going to kick off with just the first of those questions, which is, uh, this beer has got citra and mosaic in it. I mean, for Australian drinkers, they're hops that we're now very familiar with, but, um, as we taste, the beer, <laughs> oh, someone's got the smoked. It's yeah, gonna.
2: Ryan is, Ryan is that's us. that's
0: my uh, that's dad.
2: dad.
0: I think he. he this he, is the first time bad. in like <laughs> two years that we've had parents actually in the room, and you've given your dad the wrong beers. Well, <laughs> we just miscommunicated. I'm not exactly sure. He actually uh, doesn't drink alcohol. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a liar. So <laughs> for a bloke who doesn't drink alcohol, he's got a very good Looking t shirt on, let's. Yeah. We've got mosaic, we've we've uh, we've got the citra, two classic Australian beers. If we're going to have sort of noble Australian hops or something like that, these might be the ones. How do each of those hops uh add something to the party that's going on in our mouths right now?
3: So, from mosaic, so first off, so like, oh
4: god,
3: I can't speak seriously. <laughs> um, <laughs> the um everyone perceives flavor somewhat differently in the aromas and stuff like that. However, from Mosaic, I get massive, massive like tropical punch fruit aromas and stuff like that, a bit of stone fruit in there as well. Whereas from Citra, you're getting that, well, for me at least, I'm getting that lemon peel, I'm getting that zestiness and stuff like that. And I always find that those two together, also maybe with a mix of other, a couple of hops, um, blend really well together and get a fantastic, aroma and flavor and stuff like that. And a good bit of juiciness as well when, when used correctly with the right yeast. Um, so that's just something I really wanted to emphasize in, in a NIPA pretty much. Um, and also something I wanted to do with this NIPA was go quite basic. So with the green bill itself, it's really basic. It's just a, a Pilsner, Pilsner, a Pilsner. Um, no, it isn't. Sorry. A low color, oh, I knew it was low color, low color Maris Otter, um, barley grain, a bit of torrified wheat,
0: and from that I want to get a, a bit of haze as well. Um, about torrified. That's my word of the day because of you. I've never heard the word torrified before. Unmalted, pretty much, in
3: layman terms. So it means that it just hasn't really been processed. So it hasn't gone through the germination, steeping germination and kilning. Oh, kilning still, yes, but it hasn't gone through steeping and germination process, pretty much. That's just like layman's terms, which means that there's a fair bit of starches left over, which means that um some of the enzymes in the mash might not be able to break everything down which means that you're left with a bit of a starch haze and that's what I was really hoping for with this is not have that like really milky haze but like have a nice like a belgian witbier starchy haze if if that makes sense um doesn't make sense does you just you know like a belgian witbier like like a blue moon or something like that Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that yeah, totally makes sense.
5: This brings on a question. I'm going to dive in with. Oh, I was going does, to try and cut you off, Warren, but off you yeah, 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 you can you can go away. Um, <laughs> does your German? Does the German uh, kind of education make you pull back on what a NEPA generally is seen as? Like this isn't. It's juicy fun, and it's a little bit cloudiness, but it's not. It's not that. Bright yellow, kind of, you know, it's yeah. not the beer that comes out of a can, which someone used a Simpsons, uh, some sort of Simpsons. Ep- you know, uh, I'm. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. I, I know it well. <laughs> <laughs> um, that,
3: that's
5: that's a joke purely for Melbourneian craft beer drinkers who know Wolfman. Like it's just.
3: <laughs> um, so the. um so our uh, first Nipah, so this is Nipah Reloaded. It's, it's pretty much our second version of a Nipah. And it's a really bad pun at, uh, at Matrix. I don't know why. I haven't even seen all three films, but you know. Anyway, so the first Nipah was heavy in oats, uh, rolled wheat um, wheat as well, not torrified. And it was that really yellow, hazy, can't see through it because it's so opaque um, sort of beer. Um, but on this one, I want to go in a different direction. Hence the, hence the, I wanted to call it remix, but apparently that wasn't cool enough. Because I
2: always envision like Jason Derulo being like, remix. Oh no, hold on. Dino Khalid being like, <laughs> remix. And I can't handle it. Just hands up we're in the all... room
0: if you know who's being referred yeah, to. Yeah, we're... <laughs> <laughs> You've got so a whole OLD. bunch of people who
5: are not in that.
1: Oh,
0: uh, I'm
2: concerned okay.
5: Michael's in the same room
1: as Chloe and he doesn't even. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: um, I think as well like if we're um, you know, in the NEPA landscape, when we're talking about the best of the best, old man really is is what a NEPA is, right? Like it's like... It,
5: it, except for it's it not the, from the, New the, England. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's
4: not from Vermont.
5: <laughs> like, like, old wives yeah, old wives is from from... Melbourne, mostly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, but I think when we're comparing... Thinking about it. Mm. If we're if we're looking at what... Like, there's no point um, kind of trying to compete with that beer because it's bellissimo and it should be... There's no point competing against Usain Bolt and sprinting match. Like, you know, you should be doing your own race. And I feel like that's kind of where we've attempted to go with this was we're not trying to copy one of the best beers on the market we're just trying to do what we want to drink
5: so no. so no it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't michael's kind of like his german-ness coming out and going oh i can't do this it's just no, a- no, probably no. you never really know what's yeah, no. going
2: on there. so that
4: was
3: <laughs> no it was um no it was me wanting to just try something different really. mm. i want to be nope. more of a juicy get a bit of haze in there because I've done the opaque, opaque, really hazy hazy before. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to go in a slightly different direction. Having said that, there's a third Matrix film. What's that called?
4: You know.
0: three, oh, three. Matrix 3. <laughs> three. <laughs> Thanks, David. A, a new hope. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Revelation? We're,
3: Rip, oh, not
2: we're finding Dory. we just established.
3: So, so Matrix finding Dory is going to be the. Um, <laughs> going to go real, real creamy, um, opaque. Like again, we'll just go in a completely different direction because yeah. that's the whole point for a series is to, for, for for me at least, how I see it is to do three stars of beer but completely different from mm. one another. So, um, so first one was. Uh, had actually some uh, sim- it was really traditional American hops, some uh, Chinook in there, Citra, obviously, because fucking love it. Uh, and now we're going into a really tropical fruit vibe. Mm. And then the next one, you know, maybe get some da- we'll da- danky pine into it or something like that. And maybe go real, real oaty. Mm.
2: Uh, I think, I think it's exciting to see such a modern style, like nepes have been around for only a couple of years, but it's exciting to see the diversity of what we can produce yeah, in a true market true. for it. So I think that's why we've kind of gone this more, not subdued, but more funky and tropical way just to see what we can actually come, what we can produce from this, you know, young style.
0: Mm. There's some fantastic yeah. and interesting flavours, genuinely in here. Yeah. Just um, still sort of tasting it and as it sort of warms up just a little bit i'm getting different flavors from a couple of minutes ago which is
3: sorry i've just been watching these comment uh questions there's some really good ones do you mind if i just dive in and answer yeah, yeah, yeah do it well no what well, yeah, we do is yep. is
0: unmute a few people so if you're cool well, with that i yeah.
2: want to hear what the egg man has to say as get, get on the Eggman in a are, second, like I think,
0: it. but yeah. we 've got three room three questions which i've promised people in the room that they can ask, and yes. this is the beauty of being online with us on a Thursday night is that you get to first of all ask a couple of questions that appear on the podcast, and then we 're going to turn the microphones off in a few minutes' time and just sit around and have a yarn and sometimes. Uh, as the next question asker will attest, this goes till three or four o'clock in the morning, doesn't it, James? Um, oh, sorry, mate, I haven't turned your <laughs> microphone on yet. But James, you're now hopefully unmuted. You can attest what time you stay to in the room normally, and um, you can ask your question, brother.
6: Oh Well, it does depend on the uh, the company or say you know, how long you stay in chat. But uh, yeah, Have there's been, been some late nights no 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 sorry yeah, uh, just a very spicy meal i don't know what's going on i um my, my question to the guys tonight was literally along the lines of i know you spend a lot of time in germany and germany is one of my favorite places i spend a lot of time there myself uh you know, what's your belief in the difference in cultures cultures when it comes around the beer and also just culture in general between say germany and australia or even just anywhere else in the world really because look I know my personal experience was very different, but uh, what do you guys think?
3: Actually, well, can I actually first ask you what, how was your experience? How, how did mm. you find it?
6: I loved it. Uh, it's one of my favorite places in the world. Um, I spent a lot of time in southern Germany. Like I, I spent a lot of time in Bavaria, which I know I've been before. Not is, some people say is not real journey Um yeah, some people in this in literally listening right now. Uh but uh like I spent a lot of time in Southern Germany, Bavaria and also in Austria. The statement before about lagers and who came out first, uh, debatable, debatable, yeah. So but uh you know uh, like I, I love it. Like I think it's one of the best cultures and places mm. in the world. Uh, like oh, I, I've never had more fun interacting with people, and I've found the people to be probably some of the most loving people I've ever met in my mm. life. Um, like literally going to beer halls and sitting at a table by yourself and being pulled into groups. And
4: yeah, you know,
6: like, like, you know, like even though I remember going to Oktoberfest and sitting at a table, and half the table was Kiwi guys like me, and the other half the table these guys that were like seven foot looked like massive guys chests like this big you know the biggest guys you've ever seen in the world and they're the it guys for the german army yeah you know, so, and they're just like come have a beer with us yeah. you're like oh yeah okay great so like i loved it, it personally i loved it I, I found it was a great yeah. place
2: think,
6: also you guys I tell think me
2: for, for me personally the big thing that i noticed when i came back to australia was there's a bit of an ego in around drinking beer in Australia for me, that's at least what I found as somebody who was selling beer, making beer and working at a, at a pub, there wasn't so much ego in in drinking beer in Germany. In Australia, it feels very, it feels kind of like we're backwards sometimes. Like it's seen still as predominantly male drink. It's marketed towards predominantly males. It feels somewhat backwards as opposed to Germany where you know, over the course of a night we would sell beer to fifty, almost 50% women and almost 50% men. There's still obviously problems with sexism and representation over there, but mm. it feels like there's a little bit more of an ego um, and more of a gatekeeping culture around it here. I feel like if you're going to a festival and you're not, I don't know, a haze bro or you're not trying every new beer, there's it's seen as you're not a real craft beer drinker. I feel like there's a little bit more of a a gatekeeping culture around it in Melbourne, at least that's what I think. Obviously, I'm not the only one who I'm willing to have a conversation with the people if they experience. Otherwise, I think as well, compared to Michael, I think I see it differently. Obviously, being a female, I see those problems while sometimes people might not.
3: But, but the main thing is, um, one thing that I learned in, in Germany, James, one of the best quotes from one of my mates that I learned in my first couple of weeks of being in Germany was whenever drinking beer, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Mm. So don't scull your beers all in the first hour of being yeah. at the pub. You just sip on your beers and have a good time until three o'clock in the morning in yeah. this Zoom chat room, you know? Yeah.
2: So I think that's what I mean by ego is Australians want to drink it quick and drink it fast and be the and be kind of at the forefront of, I don't know. But I feel like Germans take it more In their stride and as more of a, as an addition to the day rather than the meaning behind a day. Mm -hmm. Germans don't really. The goal isn't to get drunk. The goal is to enjoy it. And I think when I first came back to Australia, that was something that really shocked me. The first time going out was people getting absolutely fuck faced. I mean, I think
0: it's a really complete answer. It's 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 about how people. It's exactly what we were saying at the start of the podcast about how we'd like people to be able to taste through the beers Mm. and have a conversation and remember the beers that they've had. Yeah,
2: I think as well, it's it's how you're introduced to them. If you're introduced to them in a really special way, where this is part of your everyday, and it's and it's a, a great joy to have beer, and you know, it's something to be treasured. You do really kind of have that tradition. For the rest of your life but if you're introduced it as a way to get drunk on the drunk on it which i'm not bragging because i've done it before if that's the how you're introduced that's kind of how you treat it for a really long time until you're kind of taught otherwise or you see it otherwise and i feel like groups like this are kind of the testament to where people are really seeing it as part of a culture rather than something that is there to get drunk with
0: so that's a really good answered because we've got a, we've got three or four more questions lined up from the room and um max you're unmuted mate
2: do you want to um do you want to ask oh, you that is a bang of cool. mullet just fyi
6: it's, it's the best thing to come out of COVID lockdown This mullet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
2: not even, <laughs> I'm not even disputing you that. should that think is... about <laughs> just think about perming it one the one silver lining
6: um <laughs> uh question i was going to ask you guys are talking before about your
3: um really extensive background as lager brewers in germany and that's kind of your training. I'm wondering, when you said before when you came and you started making more IPAs and, and whatnot, like more um, IPAs and neeps and stuff at Burnley, was that a big kind of shift thinking-wise? Did you have to kind of put on a different hat as a brewer or is it kind of seamless to kind of go from lagers to, to ales and IPAs or was it a big change? It's a very good question, but no, it wasn't really, because that's what I was brewing at home already. So so homebrewing, um, I was already doing my IPAs, pale ales, and stuff like that. Um, so the biggest switch was really just transferring those homebrew recipes and techniques into a commercial setting. Um that that was the biggest the biggest change. But it's literally just standing in the brewery looking around, being like, Okay, so I need a dry hop this, I want the lowest pickup of oxygen, how am I gonna do that? Normally, I just throw it into a into a twenty liter vessel, but now I've got a four thousand liter vessel in front of me. How am I going to do that? So it was just thinking more uh, practically. So how am I going to do these things that I would normally do on a small scale and a larger scale? But the actual re- recipe building and and stuff like that didn't change at all. Um, it was just the practicality behind it. Um, Who?
5: Just quickly, who was drinking the beers you were brewing from your homebrew kit? Like, who, who were you sharing them with, and what was their reaction? I'm assuming it Germans and maybe even other German brewers.
4: Oh. So, so my dad's just put his
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I when we, we didn't drink them. beer. Hang on. <laughs> when we were brewing them in Germany, our, we had a fantastic friendship group over there. Um, I'm still bitter about one of my friends who told me he couldn't speak English. Turns out he speaks perfect English, so I can practice German them. <laughs>
4: Okay.
5: <laughs> he, he he Angela Merkel you
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> Actually we had a beer in Germany that had Merkel oh, a good she's my gal. Die for Merkel. Um with Trump when he just got elected cuz F Trump ofs. And there's a peach in Germany that's called a Fluffphysich which is like a flat donut peach. And we named the beer You Donut Respect Women. So that was like a peach wit beer. Yeah, because F Trump and I love Merkel.
3: Actually, and, but no, oh, here you go. A, the a, uh, might be able to see that.
2: Oh, that's oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, Everyone yeah. listening on the podcast, Trump's got tiny little baby fingers. He's orange.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is yeah. Yeah. Don't respect women. So.
2: so, so those beers were being sold commercially, and then um, if we we didn't really um have to brew a batch to try it like we just kind of had that again young confidence to think people would pay a premium dollar for these beers that we brewed in our in our balcony um but then we would share them with our our friends um every friday
3: well actually i I think i think hang on does this i think we i think we're digressing again but um because while brewing, just home brewing and stuff like that at home, you know, we'll be brewing uh, 20 litres a week and that's a bit too much for, for me to handle. Chloe can drink that easy, but me. Better. <laughs> that's because I
2: hide my problems, emotional problems. Oh, stuff them
3: down. So we'd be, you know, bringing them to our man's place and we'd we'll drinking them there and stuff like that and getting a pretty good reception from them. Obviously, they're biased because they are friends and they that's want free beer. beer but... Mm. That's it's a good reception and and some were like actually why don't we do something like this and and go a bit larger and uh oh god i really have digressed I?
2: but conclusion reiner when michael is living at home mm.
0: and
2: then our friends when we we're going to germany
0: All right, cool. yeah <laughs> i reckon we'll move on now to um
2: i think alan is this the first time
0: that you've joined us in the zoom room and all the more reason to do so, as you can see, good friends who are listening to the podcast, because you get to ask your own questions. So, Alan, Alan you're far away, Alan, brother,
2: I'm a bit nervous about Alan's question
0: because he's. No, I, <laughs> oh, a- bring
3: <laughs> it on! Yeah, I, um, so yeah, Hey, guys. Uh, are there any new dungbeasts? Sorry, uh, are there any new duck bears coming soon from you guys?
2: So, well, Alan,
3: Alan. I knew you were going to say that, <laughs> so I have this prepared. Legit, just candid, about two hours ago.
0: Oh. oh! Now, for those watching at home, Michael is holding up a stoat, which has got a olive in its mouth. And <laughs> no, hang on, this works terribly for radio. <laughs> Why don't you describe what you're holding up, brother? It's no, a it's a, we, um,
2: it's a beer that we've obviously barrel age We've been working on for years now.
3: Uh, well, no, not this one for you. The yeah. uh, this one here. So it's our it's a first release of our barrel aged um program. Um, so it's a barrel aged Russian Imperial Stout. It was
0: bury the lead. You've waited until where are we? Like, it we're it we're two far hours far. in and come yeah. up <laughs> <trying laughs> with this. Like, it's.
3: So it's it's yeah it's the first of this uh, uh, barrel aged release. So it's been Asian uh, American whiskey barrels. Um, and so I canned it today. It was. I, I, I can t- my brewers were just laughing at me because I was skipping around the brewery. I was so happy canning <laughs> for the first time. Um, and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's it's really quite, oh God, I'm going to sound arrogant here, but it really is quite something special because you're getting these beautiful um, vanilla tones from the American oak. Um, it gets a bit of, bit of tanny, uh, tannin sort of um, dryness as well. Um, but it's just a big, strong, Dark beer, Alan. That you would. Yes, yeah, Allen Green
2: beer. I also yeah. like the idea. Like, if Alan
3: was a beer. Yeah, there would
2: there be. I also like the idea of a Russian beer being inside an American barrel, because that's politics.
0: No. <laughs> I thought you were going to go <laughs> with it with yeah. an enigma wrapped in a.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: In a, um, Alan, so, that was a so, great question. I'm going to move on pretty quickly to Jane's question. Jane, Arthur, thank you um, for. Uh,
2: Release date is st- st- still TBC. So follow us on our socials to get that release date.
0: And what are your socials? Just while we're passing.
2: Uh, at com. Oh, wait, no, hold on. Just Burnley Brewing.
0: Burnley, so at Burnley Brewing. But then for a more fun one is... Uh...
2: This is selfish plug. This
0: is my <laughs> yeah, food. go for it. Yeah, do it, yeah. Burnley it's not like you're running for local government. So, <laughs> <laughs> you
2: know. Hashtag vote, David.
3: Uh, so uh, at Burnley Brewing behind the beer, that's... Um, just me putting up stuff of
2: essentially Harry
3: goofy stuff that we do with the awesome. stuff, stuff that we do with the bird.
0: Okay, Sorry. we're going to try and wrap this up in the next three or four minutes. Jane, thank you for your loyalty to the podcast. What's okay. your question for the kids, Jane?
2: Okay, thank you. I'm a bit distracted by Ellen's unbridled um, joy, but
0: um... <laughs> it's a great question, Ellen. <laughs> it really is.
2: <laughs> His reaction was priceless. <laughs> Um, I was wondering, I recall like mate, it was probably a year ago, probably more than a year ago, that I read, Michael, that you were going to brew fifty-two beers in fifty-two weeks. Did you achieve that?
3: I did achieve it. I ended up getting
2: more.
3: Yeah, did more even. So it was it was just under sixty, it was fifty-eight or fifty-nine. I can't quite remember. I'll need to check my computer again, but I did end up getting it. It was pretty interesting because I started off really good and then smashing out a lot and then i died off a bit and didn't do that much and then i really had to catch up a lot and then um
2: well because we were lagering a lot of stuff for Oktoberfest. yeah
3: and that's a very inefficient way to brew beer i'm told yeah Yeah. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
3: (laughs) so um but no did did in fact um complete which was which was um good fun
2: and were they all drinkable
3: um one wasn't
2: one i did not like which one one was
3: a People, yeah,
2: it? I love you. I just didn't like that beard. This is this what is, happens
1: when you do a podcast is, with your partner. She yeah, that's right. Going <laughs> <on>. <laughs> you know, this
0: is the first time we've
1: oh, actually hit right. the
0: point to Chloe we've never had a married couple on before. And, well, it's taken two hours, but it's slowly devolved to that point. <laughs> I'm going to ask...
3: Found out uh, uh, that
2: apparently she wants me older and to older, come
4: back
2: from the Second World War. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because obviously a lot of um, my partners are working from, or uh, my friends are working from
4: home for the first
2: time. <laughs> oh, <Whoa. ever>. partners! <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> one of my um, one of uh, my friends are working from the from home for the first time ever, so they're hearing their partners' work voice. I don't know if anyone else's partners have that. Oh, and, I,
0: I, that
1: was me. I was hearing my partner.
0: You mean work I don't normally you. talk like this?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And somebody was saying, "Oh, does Michael have that?" I was like, "No, we've honestly been working together for almost eight years, so there's no there's no surprises there."
0: Yeah. Now, Hang on. Sorry if
3: you have Michael here, brother. <laughs> the beer that referencing was oh, it's a, like a um, blossom. It was a lavender Whit beer, and I used butterfly pea blossom to to color it purple because that's a, a a flower from Thailand that will color fabrics, liquids, whatever, purple when acidic when no, it doesn't matter anyway so I used that and um Chloe well apparently suddenly just tells me now didn't like it
2: <laughs> I think because I, I obviously <laughs> t- I taste the beer before like obviously every beer I taste on stage and I remember tasting it and seeing this like gray sludge and yeah. just I couldn't get that out of my mind for the rest of which again full circle back to how important memories are when tasting could not mm-hmm. get that out of my head
0: Ray Sludge you- and Compost might be the take-on <laughs> yeah. tonight, but we have one more question from the Zoom room. And um, again, a big thank you to everyone who's been joining us. And James, you're one of the people who's been joining us right through COVID, and I'm very happy that you've got your question in here, mate. James Barnard, your question, brother. Thanks, David. Um, so first of all, yeah, biting home, Brewer. Enjoying hearing you nerd out on the process, and it's pretty obvious that you're enjoying it just as much as you have from from probably since you first started, um, I'm just wondering what's the biggest change from doing, you know, your 20 liter home homebrew batches when you first start out to upscale it to a full scale brewery. Like, is it as simple as just, you know, times
6: in your, your recipe by 2000 or 200 or depending on the size of your brewery, or is it, or is where the things that surprised you when you between, between going from homebrew to, to major scale?
3: Yeah, a lot actually. Um, this is actually a pretty good question for Wolfman as well, seeing that he homebrews a uh, shitload. Should
5: we, should we introduce? should we just quickly introduce Shannon from from yeah. um, from Old Wives Ales, who's hanging out in the room and has been a really good kind of supporter of us and and on on the socials and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Here easy, easy then? We summon
2: you, Wolfman.
5: Cool uh, hey David? Would you mind? Oh, there he is. There's yeah, that. Sorry, after.
2: Yep.
7: This isn't about me. It's about it's about Burnley. <laughs> no, no, it's
5: totally about Burnley. But was, you know, since you're here and they mentioned you, we may as well.
3: Because I was going to say, because I um, I come from my homebrew background finished when I was about eight, nine, no. 20 sorry so i started home brewing when i was 15 doing all my home brewing but as soon as i turned 20 i went straight to commercial brewing and that was it i've been commercially brewing for the last 10 years now so i to be honest james i actually can't quite remember how much what i did to change in between that because i just went straight from doing stuff at home to being thrown into a brewery and just having a a german brewmaster just tell me this is how it's done just do it that way um so i don't think i'm that much help with you on that question there the biggest thing that i can tell you is that the biggest thing the biggest difference is is how you clean your equipment so cleaning a a 20 liter vessel is literally you get a sponge clean it out with your with your your alkaline solution whatever and then and then maybe a sanitizer afterwards whereas with when you have a a transfer line and, and a, a vessel with a CRP system and stuff like that. It's just completely different how, how you do your cleaning and handle it, stuff like that. And also the chemicals you use are also different. But when it comes to scanning up recipes, I think that's where Wolfman will be better to, to, to get you onto that.
4: I,
7: I, I'd, I'd point it back to Michael and say, you have to have a good brewer to take a, a home brew recipe and then upscale it to the size or the volume that is, uh, that you want at the end.
5: So- Shannon, the, so you guys did a, 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 like, was it a raspberry beer? Like back in the day, you guys smashed out a, a raspberry wheat beer. Raspberry Saison. Saison, that's it. So when you're producing something like that, did you test it on a smaller system before you put it to a commercial scale? Yes, and-
7: that was, that was Mateus's home winning homebrew recipe from Geelong, I reckon from memory
5: and then and then, with that, did you just multiply out the like you know you you chuck in how many kilograms of rate of, of raspberries for a 20 liter brewer? do you just multiply it out or is it a little bit more complicated than that
7: the more the more interesting thing was the yeast, so I think we used thirty seven eleven from memory um, it was like a third batch of beer, and we had to get ten ten smack packs to chuck into a Oh yeah, that's right.
5: I remember you guys talking about that. So,
7: Something like that. And yeah, you it know, saison on is traditionally underpitched, but it was massively underpitched. <laughs> and then the fruit, the fruit is always the same. So you never ever change the fruit ratio. It was uh the interesting thing about that
3: beer was just the, the yeast, uh how many smack packs it took. Actually, I'm just gonna jump in. Actually, a real good example, um, and this will this will help answer your 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 question, James. Um, so, Shannon and I um, met up um, just before we brewed our first batch of the Kiwi Lemon Nipah, which will be released again uh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Nice bug. When, yeah, nice. when when I put it when I put it the uh, the car fridge on hot rather than cold. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so also, Shannon has a canning line at his house because who doesn't apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so. Shannon came to the brewery, uh, trade off a, a recipe that he wanted to have, a, you know, along the lines and have us collaborate with, um, t- together uh, a nipa base, putting kiwi in and possibly lemon drop hop and stuff like that. So we'll taste it and stuff like that. And then together there on the table, we literally just had his homebrew recipe, which was done on Beersmith, I believe. Shannon, is that correct?
4: Yeah, yeah.
3: And so we scaled it up through using, um uh, yeah it's a bit tricky to describe actually. Sorry, James, I'm gonna get on to this. <laughs> um so he would have his percentages of mold. So let's just say just for, for for easiness, 80% of Pilsner and 20% of Munich mold. So he would say that's how much mold that was his percentage of grain bill, it got to 16 Plato, and then I'll I'll calculate that on my own calculator that I've used for my uh, for my brewery. And from that I'm able to scale it up. Um, oh, that's not a very good explanation. You do. Well. Yeah. So, so from doing that, him giving me percentages, I'm able to scale it up on my brewery. The hardest thing is, is transferring the efficiency of the hop utilization. So in the kettle each kettle, every brewery is completely different. So our kettle has a 26% utilization rate. So, I need to know what Shannon's is on his homebrew kit so I can transfer it onto mine. So if he's getting that 60 minutes with lemon drop, let's just uh-huh. say 30%, 30% utilization rate, which is, which is pretty high, but let's just say that it's a lot, it's 4% higher than what I'm getting on my kettle. So I need to adjust for that. Um, so adding so more lemon drop by about 4%. Pretty much, pretty yeah. much. So, so by, um, but how I found out those utilization rates as well was by sending off samples to to a a lab um, and being able to find out the um the IBUs of my beers and being able to calculate off that. And so what I did is use a core range beer of ours, our pale ale, and I'd always send it off, making sure that I was getting the same IBUs and making sure that my utilization rates were accurate to what I was calculating. Um, So now I know that my calculator is correct. If Shannon's is correct at his place, then we have no problem being able to transfer from a 20 litre recipe, or 50 litre is yours, correct, Shannon? 60 60. litre recipe to a 2000 litre batch.
0: Yeah, So now, if- I'm going to cut in here, friends, because I can see Warren Wu just desperate to ask another question. <laughs> no, no, I was just going and to say, take no, that, no, no, James. No, I'm, I'm just going to talk over the top of you for a bit here, mate, because the important thing to say is here, first of all, a huge thank you to Shannon for joining us tonight. No, no, hang on. A huge thank you <laughs> to Michael and Chloe and Shannon, genuinely. This is the kind of thing that you get to enjoy when you're in the Zoom room with us. We're about to stop recording. But as most people who are in the room with us now know, we just sit around and yarn for hours and we will do so. And we're not going to record it and we're going to enjoy it all the more so for the fact that we can, um, uh, Alan, I can just see you warming up there, brother. That's fantastic. I
2: forget Um, what people look like happy in 2020, but Alan is definitely happy. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Just to genuinely acknowledge, thank you for your time and effort. Uh, we know it's not easy during COVID times to move beer around and you've helped us out massively, guys. Um, not only following Burnley, but following your own so- socials, which are?
2: Oh, uh, Burnley Brewing, just on Instagram. And, and, behind Burnley the and Burnley
3: Behind the Beer.
2: And my personal one is Chloe hoy, hoy but follow only if you like Brett Sutton because I post a lot of thirst traps about Brett Sutton. Sure. Where's
1: your wife when you need her, David? She's a bit of a Brett Sutton fan, isn't she?
0: Who's that? Your your partner. Your wife is a bit of a Brett Sutton person. I was under the impression that of all the people that ever worked in the health department that I was the only one my wife fancied. But anyway... <laughs> <it's> like- <laughs> That's why I've grown this beard and very unconvincing Sutton-esque haircut. Let's not not distract David from wrapping up the podcast. You're just like like Year 9 at McRob Girls on a Friday (laughs) afternoon. It's all about not doing what David wants to do. We're going to wrap so up. Us
2: the, the weird thing that's come from COVID is these exciting platforms where we can really sit at home and, and in a really personal matter, invite you guys in and share some beer. For us, um, b- brewing the best quality beer that we can is always a priority. And obviously, in 2020, it's a little bit more challenging, but it's always exciting to see it in these platforms.
0: That's really well said and and the attitude that you guys have to introducing people to craft beer and to make it accessible and enjoyable rather than something that's sort of, you know, so difficult to engage in for the first time is where we come from and so, you know, thank mm-hmm. you for reaching out to us, which is what you guys did, Chloe. I think you sent us the first email and...
2: Great right at stalking people. <laughs>
0: Um, you know, we credit to you in, in promoting and um, doing innovative stuff yourselves during these times. Um, Travis, let's stop recording things. Let's grab all those other beers in the fridges that we have from the tasting packs. And let's get back together on Saturday night for all the new batch beers. And next week in the cool room, online brewers to talk with the guys from What's River. Happy.
3: Yeah, us talk.
0: Hey there Cool Room listeners, we've got a little ad for you. No, we're not asking for money so that you can advertise quality mattresses, razors or any of those other sort of things that seem to get advertised on podcasts. What we're looking for is other fun podcasts that would like to share a 30 second ad with our listeners, letting everyone know why they're so great, and in return, letting us share a 30 second ad for the Cool Room. We know that right now there's a whole lot of people who are looking for fun new podcasts to help them while away their isolation hours. So if you've got something to share, drop us a line by our Facebook or Instagram accounts. Right, Add over.